Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A here in the West Loop studios of the CHGO offices. I'm Sean Anderson. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast and post-game show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow me on Twitter at Ecknerwall. 23 and here we go herb we already got it rolling up we got the live stream going and we got the stream of dfa keichel uh (laughs) comments already coming in we'll talk about dallas keichel's outing today as the Sox lose to the los angeles anal angels angels are what adeline works too six to five (laughs) (laughs) whoops hey The Sox gave a big guy call you about that one. Yeah, Uh, the Sox gave a a real good rally in the ninth (laughs) inning, scoring five runs. uh, But the first eight innings were hard to watch. Herb, where would you like to start with this game? The ninth inning was very interesting. Dallas Keuchel obviously uh, annoyed people here. What's the biggest storyline from this game for you? For me, it is patience and the White Sox lack of it. We had counted 13 of the first 30 at-bats, the White Sox swung at the first pitch of that plate appearance. 13, that's 43%. In league average, I think you said it was like 29.5. 29.9, but yes, so, same thing. The White Sox scored zero runs in those eight innings against Jarrett Lorenzen, who was all right. He wasn't out there dealing. Two strikeouts, two two walks. Michael Lorenzen, too. Oh, sorry. Golly, I keep on doing it. It's like pick the click, click the pick. (laughs) Jared Lorenzen, currently not with us. Rest in peace, Pillsbury throw boy. But the ninth inning. Let me just read you, Sean, the at-bats that happened. Jose Abreu, first pitch. He took it. It's a strike. Sheets took the first pitch. A strike. Pollock took the first pitch. A ball. Then you get Rysel Iglesias in. Closer in a nine-save situation. I was like, this is a bad thing. You should maybe wait until he gets into his spot. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. It's a mental thing. Then he faces Reese McGuire. He took the first pitch. It was a ball. Josh Harrison took the first pitch. It was a strike. Anderson took the first pitch. Ball. The only person, the only person that swung at the first pitch is the guy who believed that yeah. will swing at the first pitch. Luis Robert swung at the first pitch. Should have been a ground ball to end the game. First place, I'm one of it. Yeah, did the reservations. That man was <laughs> bad today. Terrible. We're here in the West Loop Studios, as Sean said. We 
Me, Steven, Nicholas, our producer, and Sean's like, man, my man's, my man's safe. We saw that from here. You're right there by, right by the base. How you miss it, bro? And that's so, a Sean out there. That's Sean Barber out there. S E A N. He spells it the right way, umps the wrong way. Sean Anderson Barber. Then we continue going. Grandal takes the first pitch. It's a ball. Jose, no, let's see. Grandal takes the pitch, and then Sheets. Abreu took oh. a ball. First pitch. Sheets took a first pitch. A ball. Five runs. Do you see a pattern? Do you see a pattern? You take pitches, then you can have a better at bat. You're being down on one, not a big deal. If he throws a fastball down the pipe, cool. You still have many pitches to go. Don't be afraid to hit with one strike. You see the patience. You see the results. Well, and to summarize, it's 10 of the 11 hitters that came up to plate in that inning took the first pitch. And right now the White Sox lead, uh, and they still will after this game, lead the league in first pitch swinging strike percentage or just first pitch strike percentage, 35%. Uh, they are first in the league, a full percentage above uh, second percent. Uh, the Rangers who are at 34%. And the Rangers aren't that damn good. But, oh. I mean, it's definitely not a coincidence that you have those plate appearances. You have those very, very intense, focused plate appearances. And the White Sox end up cranking out runs left yes. and right. And it wasn't big fly, big fly, big fly. It was Josh Harrison double into to left field. Uh, Tim Anderson double into left field. I mean, it was nice, easy swings. It wasn't trying to do too much. And the White Sox proved that they can score five runs in an inning. I don't know if they've done that yet. Uh, it's a real milestone for the White Sox. Congratulations. You got to five runs. I like the fight. I like maybe Frank Manichino got in their ear. Maybe being down 6 nothing, you realize, hey, we need base runners. You always need base runners. Yeah, it only took two Like games. it doesn't, you know, you should play the game kind of the same way that you played it today. You could score those you could score those five runs in the first inning if you did that same approach. And maybe Michael Lorenzen leaves earlier. You can have a better approach at the plate. The the process will be better, so the results can be better. So it's aggravating that they had to wait until the ninth inning to have these type of at bats, but it's also heartening to know that they can do it. It's just a willingness to do it. Yeah, and they still hit the ball hard even going into that ninth inning. Before that ninth inning, they were still making hard, solid contact. I still think they had more hard-hit balls uh, than the Angels. It's just, again, the, the the typical narrative for the Chicago White Sox this year. You hit the ball hard, but you're not having that luck. You're not having that balls, uh, that batting average uh, on balls in play be high. It's, it's one of the, I think, uh, bottom five in the league right now. They're just not turning those hard hit balls into runs, into hits, into, you know, consistent base runners. And I, I, I would have to go back and I, you know, we didn't have the time, but I think this might have been one of the first times they've batted around uh, this year, too. I mean, it has just been pedestrian at best, uh, this lineup for the Chicago White Sox. Before we go on, I'm just going to get yep. an argument with you, maybe. Batting around, is it one through nine, or do you have to have the one guy bat again? They batted around. They batted around when Abreu came up because that Abreu was the leadoff hitter. So when Abreu came up, that's batting around. Okay, would we, you agree? We, no, we differ. Batting around is going a full circle. So one through nine. That's so you're just around. saying then Abreu to it would be Ra, uh, Ra, Grandal. Grandal, yes. So so just nine guys have to go up to yes. play. That's batting around. I'm on Team Sean on this one. Yeah, I would say batting around means then around means that you have to then come back to the beginning, which would be like you're saying that Grandal, if Grandal makes the last out of the inning. The, the, you've batted around, yes. 
I would disagree. Yeah, okay. I think I think that I if Abreu comes up, then you have a bad. I'm bad I'm, I'm in the minority of that well, as always. I think there's actually um, probably a definition out there, friends. I think I think there's probably a real answer. I think that one's probably a, a quantitative uh, answer right there that we could probably just clean up. Um, but you want to go into the run recap? You want to talk about it. these runs? Yeah. Angels win six to five. Second batter up. Second batter out. Mike Tratt. <laughs> Hung changeup out to left center field for a home run. The Angels get out to an early one nothing lead. Mike Trout does the damn thing. We talked about it in the pregame show. A 9.76 OPS going into the the day against Dallas Keuchel, and in the first inning he makes it one nothing. Top of the third, Taylor Ward beat out an infield single, and then here comes Fishboy who was on base. Mike Trout hit a double and then moved Taylor Ward to third base. Shohei Otani came up and he drove in some runs. He grounded out to second and Ward scored two nothing Angels. Then Trout advanced to third on that ground out. Anthony Rendon hit a sack fly. Trout comes in. Angels lead 3-0. Top of the fourth, Dallas Keuchel still in. After a fielder's choice and a walk, Velasquez, not Vince, doubled the deep left field, scoring Max Stassi from second base. 4-0 Angels. And then the top of the ninth, Tanner Banks retired the first batter. Taylor Ward reached on an infield single. Then Fishboy after four pitches. Banks had a 2-2 count. And then after the ninth pitch, Trout walked him, and he goes to first base. 15th time in his career, he was on base five times or more in one game. So Mike Trout has an historic day against the Chicago White Sox. A wild pitch advanced the runners to second and third. Mayfield then singled up the middle, breaking Banks' scoreless inning streak. Angels lead 5-0. Joe Adele would later double off Matt Foster, making it a 6-0 Angels lead. And then here comes Michael Lorenzen to finish out his first career shutout. Not first batter, like you said, Jose Abreu, single. Second batter, Gavin Sheets, singles. Then Pollock flied out to left field. Then the fourth batter, Leury Garcia, hits one over the center fielder's head for a double. Angels lead cut to 6-2. Then Iglesias with Garcia on second in a 6-2 game. No save uh, uh, opportunity for him. He strikes out McGuire, two outs, but the Sox aren't done yet. Harrison doubled, Leary scores, 6-3. Then T.A. doubled, Harrison scores, 6-4. And then here comes Luis Robert, the only player to swing at the first pitch in the uh, in the inning. He hits one to the right side in between the third baseman and shortstop. The third baseman goes, picks it up, throws it over to first. And like we mentioned, Sean Anderson, Marion Barber, called him out <laughs> at first base. <laughs> and then after review, Robert did beat the throw. So Grandal comes up. After a great at-bat, he fouled off three straight pitches on three and two, then drew a walk. Jose Abreu comes up with the bases loaded. He gets hit by the pitch. Six, five socks, and then Herb uh, Rafael Iglesias goes out. Ryan Tempura comes in. Gavin Sheets up. And with the bases loaded, six, five, Sheets up, righty-lefty. How did that make you feel? What were you feeling in that moment with the Sox having the you know winning run uh, on second base? It was Adam Engel who uh, subbed in for Grandal after the walk. I felt great. I felt good that you don't take a 6 nothing lead and just pack it in. They could have. And the fact that those guys had an approach at the plate, I don't know if it was something that was said or you just understood, hey, we need to get base runners to win this game no matter what. So the approaches were good. The at-bats were pretty good. Except for Luis Robert, which the result of that turned out well, but you saw all your – Fellow mates up there allowing Rysel Iglesias to get himself in trouble. Same thing with uh, Michael Lorenzen. The execution, I don't like there for Luis Robert, but it was it four out of the five at-bats. And, of course, the one at-bat that happened where he didn't swing at the first ball, somebody here, I won't say a name. I don't want to talk about it. 
swung. He didn't swing at that first pitch. No. So it cost somebody some money. It was a free bet. Whatever. I'm points bet. We'll read that in a second. But I felt I feel conflicted. I'm mad that they lost. I'm mad that they waited so long to have the great approach. But I feel very positive about this team because I know this is in there. They have to know now that it's in there. And so moving forward, let's go. Let's start doing these things. You saw the results of a good process. Let's continue it. Yeah, I don't know if it's a moral victory, but maybe it just shows them that, hey, maybe the slump isn't really all. I mean, true. I mean, it, it really doesn't feel like it's, it's a slump because the White Sox stink. It's because I think the White Sox are too much in their head. We've talked about this with Vinny, and he's mentioned that, you know, Tony LaRusso said the guys are pressing too much, and I, it feels, honestly, when you watch this team, like they are all pressing. It doesn't feel like they're having fun. And really, I think the, the, the moments where you feel like this team is having fun, it's like Josh Harrison yesterday. He hits a double, and he's high-stepping into, into second base. He's high-stepping home. So there are moments where this team is having fun. They just need more of that. I think scoring five runs in an inning will definitely help them feel a little bit like they're having more fun. The home runs really haven't come as well, which is an issue for the Sox. But I do think that this team is enjoying baseball less this year. I had a problem with Josh Harrison going for second in the ninth inning. There's no reason to there. You get thrown out, which a good throw gets him out by plenty. I understand what he's doing, but, you know, the result turned out right. But I did not like him going for second base there. You were way down. You're At that time, it was like six to three. So that's another thing. Um, Not a moral victory, but I just feel better about the team, like, I know I'm supposed to be pissed and yelling and crying and screaming, but no. And I see all the DFA Dallas, and I agree with you 100%. DFA Beaumont Keuchel. But today, (laughs) he gave you exactly what a fifth starter is supposed to give you. Four runs, five innings. Five walks. Yeah, the the performance was bad, but the number on the board, the four runs, you should be able to overcome. Man, he no. should be able to get. He wasn't good today. He was actually ungood. But I say that Dallas Keiko wasn't the problem today. It was the offense. You know what you're going to get from Dallas Keiko. Maybe that sets the tone mentally for hitters. I got to press. I, we have to score a bunch of runs because I know this guy is going to give up some runs. I know this guy is going to be not striking people out. And I know our defense is subpar. But... If we're looking at the grand scheme of why the White Sox lost this game, I would say Dallas Keuchel is not the reason number one. No, I mean, it's, again, you know, waiting until the ninth inning to score some runs. I mean, going into the ninth inning, you're down six to nothing. Scoring six runs in a game for the White Sox has been a teeth-pulling adventure that they have barely done. I think well, they've, they've done, done now for the fourth time. Uh, they've, I think they've, they won a Mariners game six to four. They won, I think, a different Rays game, one, six to three. They won the ten to one game, and then I think there was another Just recently one, game. right? Yeah, didn't they went seven to four? Recently versus the Royals, yeah, they right? won seven to four. I think yeah. so. I think this is the fourth time that they've reached five runs. Uh, let me check that. Let's check that first, Stephen. If they've reached how many times they've reached five runs, but I mean, this is just. I mean, that's the issue is, is hitting. Hitting is the problem here for the Chicago White Sox. They've been getting fine enough performances from Vince Velasquez, Dallas Keuchel. And yes, it's not great. It's not what you were getting from fifth starter Carlos Rodon last year, but it is still good enough to win games. Four runs through five innings. It's not great, but it's fine. Um, I mean, that's that's the issue. But the, I mean, like, 
with the Sox, it's again, I mean, you have Michael Lorenzen, who isn't even a career starter, coming out and having a career day uh, against you. So let's go to the pitching lines here. Uh, the biggest thing for Keiko was was balls versus strikes. Um, he threw 40 strikes to and 79 what was it, pitches. Uh, sorry, so what was it, Stephen? Five times. Five, five times. Five, five, five runs. Yeah, just Oof. five. Okay, and then so four times it scored six runs. Would that be correct, I think? Um, I'm on it. Keuchel today, 40 strikes, 79 pitches, so he wasn't even at 50% strike rate, which is absolutely brutal for him. I mean, that's part of the thing, too. I mean, if he's throwing more strikes, then maybe the Sox will get a better performance from, from Keuchel. I mean, you're walking five guys. This game, you just walked five guys in your last game. Uh, so, I mean, it has been absolutely brutal for Keuchel. And, you know, he's getting some ground balls. I mean, he, I think going into today's game, he had a 62% ground ball rate, which was his highest in a couple of years. And obviously it was only through four starts, but this Sox defense still had a little bit of, you know, eh, iffy moments in the infield. Mm-hmm. Um, felt like, you know, TA's cleaned up a little bit of his stuff. But uh, did you notice anything there? The White Sox were able to th- turn out three double plays today. I mean, it should have been four. Josh Harrison bobbled the ball. That should have been a easy 5-4-3 double play. Uh, I forgot what inning in that. And that opened up a little floodgates right there, I believe, uh, in that inning. I forgot what inning it was. But Mailman Jack says uh, he wants to go to Vito and Nick's or Los Angeles, stuff ourselves in Chicago-style pizza, and drink a couple. Two-tree pitchers. Things will take off for the white <laughs> sakes. Um, from Dallas, he has to pitch the contact. I don't care if the White Sox defense is poor. For his mentality, let them hit the ball. Not necessarily 27. Don't let him hit the ball. He's good. Leave him alone. And you see our guy, Tony, runners in second and third with two outs. He walked Mike Nelson Trout. Wow. The man's learning. That's good. To face Joey Tani. Yay. Finally. I was so worried he was going to let him pitch to Mike Trout with the 900-plus OPS versus <laughs> Dallas Keuchel. But he got smart. And then Shohei Itani with weak contact right there to end the game, end the inning there. But it's not ideal. But this is the hand was dealt to the White Sox. This is a Rick Hahn signing. James Fox is a big proponent, and you James Fox on Future Sox, which is now part of Sox Machine. Check it out. Follow all these people. Says... The White Sox should DFA him. And I know we're going to get it uh, more of a breakdown about why they should DFA him. It's a sunk cost already. There's, you're not going to regain $18 million worth of value from Dallas Keuchel. He is what he is right now. So if you think he's hurting the team more than helping the team, which I believe, DFA him. Eat the money, Jerry Reinsdorf. Eat the money. Admit a, res- a mistake, Rick Hahn. And Please. It, it doesn't hurt. I think White Sox fans would be like, thank you. It's not that big of a deal. We're trying to win championships. We can't just be putting the guy out there every fifth that's given this effort. Like I said, he wasn't the main reason, but it was not a good performance at all. If I had to, t- I mean, like, do I think the White Sox will DFA Dallas Keuchel. I don't think it's happening in the month of May. I could see it happening because there is the vesting option where if he throws 320 innings uh, over 2021 and 2022, uh, he gets um, a bonus or he gets uh, his, his contract vested for $20 million last year or for next year, or if he goes over 160 this inning, uh, 160 innings this year. So, I mean, I could see it happening just so they don't have him on the team next year, but this is truly just... 
it makes no sense, the marriage between Dallas Keuchel and the Chicago White Sox. One, he's a ground ball pitcher, and they have had horrible defense, and they've had horrible defense since 2019. This has been a bad defensive team, and I don't really understand the thinking now watching Dallas Keuchel pitch for you know two and a half years now on the south side, or, or you know, a little over two years on the south side. I don't understand the fit with him on this team. Uh, that's been one thing. And then two, you look, and if you were able to get that $18 million off the books this offseason, we can go back to the Carlos Rodon discuss- discussion. I know that would uh, annoy our, our, our next guest, Vinny Duber. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it's it's something that I think White Sox fans uh, will, will definitely be talking about just because it, it hasn't been good so far, and we'll we'll get into more Dallas Keuchel stuff. But the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. That's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we can help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same-game parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game, and if you want more, you can boost your live same-game parlays. You can watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. Online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Hi, Vinny. Hello, Vinny. Howdy, fellas. How you doing? Good. Is that a Steve Miller shirt? I wish. It's just a sweatshirt oh. that says Chicago. That's all. Oh, okay. It looked like the, the horse, like the, it kind of had like the same blue tone as like that one Steve Miller album. So I wasn't sure. Uh, who'd you talk to today? Uh, yeah, we just got done talking to Tony, uh, obviously Dallas Keuchel, Luis Roberts. Uh, I was able to, to, to chat with Gavin Sheets as well. And, you know, a lot of talk about that ninth inning, unsurprisingly, you know, it, it kind of changed the story there at the end. Um, something we really haven't seen too much from these White Sox this season, stringing together a big inning like that. But uh, they pointed to it as kind of a thing that they can take a lot out of and, you know, kind of back to normal a little bit. Obviously, that was too little too late for the way that they played for the first eight innings of this game uh, at the plate against Michael Lorenzen. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're happy about that. I think Dallas uh, phrased it as this. He, 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 it was nice to see some, some smiles and some hits as opposed to all the sadness that they've been seeing uh, throughout the first month of the year here. So, um, listen, if that's a, when, when, you're in a, when you're in a slump like this, you've got to try to cling to anything. Uh, and that's what they're going to try to grasp to and, uh, and take some positives from. Uh, but really, you know, that was just uh, one-ninth of this game, and uh, the rest of it didn't look too hot. And – just because it says Chicago, I'm going to think it's Terry Kath, Peter Cetera, and Robert Lamb, Chicago. So I was thinking it kind of is a moral victory for the White Sox, and you just talked a little bit about it. Did they talk about that ninth inning approach? Like, I just saw a bunch of guys taking the first pitch where before that, 13 of the first 30 batters were swinging at the first pitch. Did they talk about the patience approach in the ninth inning and how – it produced runs. 
Well, that's what I mean by when they're talking about kind of back to normal, right? They're talking about kind of like, oh, that's more like it. That's what we expect. I think Dallas said something along the lines of like, that's not surprising for him. That's standard. That's what this team should be doing. Uh, and and he's right. You know what I mean? The, this offense is built to have innings like that, to have games like, you know, you would see if, if you extrapolated that that inning through the course of, nine, uh, of a full nine. But, uh, it, it, you know, you, you can score five runs in the ninth inning but you got to do some more damage in the first eight. And, uh, you know, they were, they were leaving guys on base. They were, you know, they weren't able, I mean, they had a ton of guys on base today. They had, they were hitting the, they got plenty of hits, uh, you know, as Tony LaRusso pointed out after the game. So he was not upset with the offensive approach throughout the day. It's just that, you know, you got, you got to do more. You got to do better than, than turning it on for one inning. And I think it's easy to gain momentum in an inning like that. You know what I mean? When you're seeing the guy in front of you, you know, maybe draw a walk or, or have a long at bat, it's easy to kind of, you know, have that be contagious and, and pass the baton, um, as, as a White Sox hitter told me earlier this week, with what, kind of what they have to do in order to turn this their fortunes around here. Uh, you know, when the, when the streak is, a, you know, first pitch ground out, you know, maybe that's contagious too. And so I think, you know, definitely you're onto something. People aren't, people aren't going crazy just because uh, they think the team should uh, be taking a few more pitches here. Um, and you can see that, that that pays off when you're having success. At the same time, talk to Luis Robert and, you know, he's confident in, in his approach too. I mean, he's a guy who's had success doing this and, and he is not doubtful that uh, things are going to get back to normal for him personally, uh, you know, even if he kind of keeps going up there the way he's gone up there. Yeah, can we uh, delve into that a little bit with Luis? I mean, did he talk about what his approach has been or what he's looking to do up at the plate? I mean, what did Luis give you on uh, the approach there? Yeah, I mean, I, I asked him a question about kind of balancing aggressiveness with with maybe some patience, and, and it seems like that one maybe got lost in translation a little bit. He, he gave kind of a team wide answer about how they're you know they're they're going to get better and everything, but I but I tried to follow up and and you know it sounded like he was just saying like I'm going to keep being me. I'm going to keep, you know, doing what got me here. And, uh, you know, we've seen him as a guy who in the past has shown that mastery of the strike zone, right? I mean, I think Tony La Russa had been complimentary of it all spring in, in regards to what we saw from Luis after he came back from that injury last year. So, Maybe he's just searching for it right now. Maybe he thinks that, you know, those, those, early, those early pitches are, are the ones that he can hit, and he's just not hitting them right now. So maybe he uh, is, is, have, is finding the pitches that he wants to, and, and it's just not turning into results. Certainly, Luis Robert is a good enough hitter where, uh, you know, we know this, that uh, once he gets things kind of lined up, it's it should work out for him but uh right now obviously you're seeing a lot of ground balls uh you know right up right up the middle there or or, or when he does get uh, a hold of one it goes right at the center fielder or something like that so obviously you're not going to blame the whole thing on luck right now because it's happening too often but uh this is a guy who you do have to have faith in given the track record what did dallas keichel say went awry today in today's outing yeah walks <laughs> you can't walk five guys in a start, and he's done it twice in a row. Obviously, one of them was a, was an intentional one today, but he's happy with some of the ground balls that he's getting. He's happy with the way the pitches are moving, the way he feels up there. He's pointed to the issue right now as being command, and uh, that's not great when you're Dallas Keuchel, right, because you're not going to be blowing away anybody with what you're throwing. Now, if he can get those ground balls consistent, consistently, then great. You know what I mean? He's had so much success doing that throughout his career. But right now, if you're at if you're putting guys on base at every turn and you need an inning ending double play to bail you out every time, that's not sustainable. And that's what we saw. I mean, listen, Mike Trout's going to hit a home run. He's Mike Trout. Throw that one in the garbage. It doesn't it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? But uh, 
walking five guys, you can't do that. And if so, he, <laughs> you, yeah. I mean, going back to command, I mean, if you had better command on that changeup, Trout might not send it into the seats, you know? I mean, he left it over the plate there. But, I mean, that's... Well, it, it's sure, that is but the, the issue, point though. being that it's Mike Trout, and you know what I mean? True. If, if you're going to have somebody beat you, that's the guy that beats everybody. So, the thing is, you can't walk his five teammates and, and, and allow four runs. And speaking of that, Vinny, did Tony speak about intentionally walking Mike Trout right there with the base open in that inning? He did not. Uh, he, okay. he mentioned uh, he mentioned Trout's damage against Keuchel and, and what he did the first two times he was up. And I think pretty much anybody could have told you that when the game was still decently close like that, uh, you know, you, you're not going to want uh, the greatest player of all time to, to hit another home run off of you, to hit another two-run double off of you. I mean, you know, let the guy let the, let, let the guy behind him, who let happens the... to be the reigning MVP <laughs> of the league, uh, beat you instead of the guy oh, that, uh, that, that hammered you in the first two. So, hey, kudos to the Angels for having this lineup because uh, they, they, they're finally figuring some things out, it seems like, over there in Anaheim. Yeah, absolutely. It was just the lineup all along. They just needed more hitting and less pitching, or, or just Michael Lorenzen, apparently. <laughs> Um, and yeah, uh, we, we talked about this in the pregame. Uh, you might enjoy this. Mike Trout's OPS going into this game against Dallas Keuchel was 976. I believe, just looking at his day, I think it went higher. Um, so Mike Trout had a good day against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, we do have someone asking about Jose Abreu. Was there any word about an injury possibly for Abreu? Uh, we saw when he was coming home, when he scored in the ninth inning, uh, that he looked like he was wincing a little bit. Obviously, he was probably in some more play pain uh, later on in the ninth inning after getting hit by a pitch but uh was there any update on uh pito or is that just jose being jose yeah i think probably the latter it wasn't spoken about post game but i i did see mention of that on twitter obviously we're watching the game we don't always see the broadcast you know the nice the nice close-ups that the broadcast can grab uh but i did see that mentioned obviously right before that he had gone first to third and made that slide into third base, which kind of seemed a little unnecessary at the time. Um, and, and so maybe, you know, he landed on it funny or something like that. Uh, obviously, he was up there later in the inning, as you just mentioned. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guess, knowing him, that it's not going to stop him uh, from, from, from playing tomorrow. And then going back to Keuchel, you mentioned control. Um, you also mentioned before, I think, in spring training that he was dealing with some back issues uh, last year. Has he talked about that possibly flaring up or anything? Just because 11 walks in the past two games, or I think 10 walks in the past two games, uh, is a lot for Keuchel, especially early on in the season. Absolutely, yeah. And he has not, he has not said anything other than that he feels great. Um, I asked him you know, today, hey, the stuff that was bothering you in the second half last year, coming back at you. And, and, you know, that was more general, obviously, in terms of everything that was going wrong. But uh, and he said, no, this is a totally different situation. So it turned it seems like he feels that everything's fine. I know, you know, the fan reaction is going to be what the fan reaction is, obviously, based on the way he finished last year and then what the results have been. And so, you know, it, the White Sox right now have to balance their faith in, in Dallas being able to to be the Dallas of old versus what they're seeing on a daily basis. And, you know, Tony, I asked Tony basically that exact question, and, and he said, you know, you don't evaluate it in the heat of the moment because you're going to get skewed by those results. So, um, but at the same time, can't keep happening, right? I mean, you can't keep, you can't keep sending the guy out there if he's going to walk five guys every time. You, that's, that's no way to win. That being said, I would go ahead and pump the brakes on, you know, he's going somewhere anytime soon just because you got to look at the rest of this rotation. And Lance Lynn might not be back until the very end of this month at the earliest. Um, obviously, Johnny Cueto is working down at AAA Charlotte, but 
you have no idea what he's going to do or no idea what he's going to be. Um, so, you know, I, I think Dallas Keuchel's part of this rotation right now. Obviously, Vince Velasquez was great yesterday, but does that mean he's going to be great moving forward? You don't know. And so, obviously, there's a lot of unknowns right now in the rotation. And to uh, yank a guy like Keuchel out of that, I, I don't think that that would make a ton of sense right now. And Vinny, this is not necessarily about the game, but you said you spoke to Luis Robert, and uh, through that, I think you said there was lo- something lost in translation. And I know he's working on his English, and I don't care if he speaks Spanish or English to you guys. Anyways, the the message gets through. Was there any impetus? Why uh, have has he changed to want to learn English a little better uh, this season? Because it seems like he's making a concerted effort to learn the language. I, I think that applies to a lot of these guys, the vast majority of them, really. I mean, think about it. If you're a, a, a guy in your early 20s or a gal in your early 20s and, and you go to work in a foreign country where you don't speak the language, you've never lived before, um, just living is difficult, right? I mean, or, or there's an added layer of difficulty to it, I should say. And uh, I think that every time you've read about these guys wanting to do that or heard about them wanting to do that, it's about that aspect. It's about being able to go to the store and, and, and you know, being able to check, check out at the store, going to a restaurant, being able to order the food that you want to order, that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, it's not always about what, what the fans might think it's about, which is like, you know, oh, the public face of the team and you want to be you know able to to be in the commercials and all that kind of thing and answer the questions that kind of thing it's about living on a daily basis and so I think a lot of these guys have that as their main driving force trying to you know make their lives a little easier being in a new country and kind of uh, ease into uh, life a little bit easier and you see you know as, as time goes on these guys are still using the translator, you know, think of a guy like Jose Abreu who's been here for so long at this point, still using the translator just because they, they want to make sure that, that nothing is getting lost in translation on their end, have a professional in the middle who can kind of help out and, and make sure that, not, you know, the things that they're saying are not being misconstrued. You also mentioned you talked to uh, Gavin Sheets. Uh, did he mention anything about the, the the final play there, being out in front of that changeup and tapping at home? I mean, he ended the rally. Obviously, it was a tough one to sustain. Uh, but uh, did he say anything about you know about that last play? No, I mean, he was talking to him more about general general stuff, about the way that this offense is going, and he said a lot of the stuff that I mentioned earlier about how the, there are a lot of positives in that ninth inning that they can draw from, uh, kind of getting back to normal, the confidence that they've got in this roster and the talent in that clubhouse that they're going to be able to turn this around and kind of snap out of this early season funk that they're in that's now lasted almost a full month. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, someone's got to end it, right? Whether it's a, whether it's a win or a loss, or, you know, someone's got to be the last person to bat. And so um, just happened to be him today. And, you know, he, he had a nice day, obviously. He was on base a bunch um, and, and had that screaming double, uh, you know, over the, uh, over the right fielder there that, that uh, whacked off the wall. I think that was only the Sox third hit uh, way back when. But uh, he had a nice day. Yeah, and then uh, you mentioned Vince Velasquez, who also had a nice day uh, yesterday. Um, what was the word yesterday about Velasquez's start? Because you mentioned, obviously, fans are upset about Dallas Keuchel. First couple you know, comments we got were DFA Keuchel. Um, Velasquez will be important if Keuchel isn't up to you know the, the expectation he has uh, for this rotation. So what's the thoughts on uh, Velasquez post-start uh, Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, again, kind of like, uh, oh, there it is. That's more like it, right? I mean, the, the White Sox have talked all about kind of unlocking his potential and unlocking the kind of things that he's flashed at times, but the results have not always uh, lined up with. And I think now you've got him uh, going out and having a good game. It's one game, but uh, certainly something to build off of and something that they were happy to see. 
he's got to go do it again. You know what I mean? Like Vince Velasquez is already a fill-in in this rotation right now. Uh, and if Dallas Keiko can figure it out and Lance Lynn comes back healthy, Vince Velasquez is going back to the bullpen. And that's probably, you know, where, you know, full strength, that's where you would want him if you're the White Sox, ready to jump in, but, uh, but certainly a guy who you're not necessarily counting on to make, you know, 20-something starts. Uh, but that being said, this rotation is going to evolve. The, the problem right now is even after a great outing yesterday, he's still a question mark, and you don't know what you're going to get from him uh, the next time he pitches. Uh, unfortunately, there's a couple of those right now in the rotation in, in Velasquez and Keuchel, and I would, I would throw Cueto into that category too. Don't think he's, you know, to, to no pun intended, riding in on a horse and, and going to save the day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think, I, I think you got to watch what he continues to do down in Charlotte. Uh, it, they are talking about him like – He's going to be an option. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him, you know, within the next few weeks, certainly. But that doesn't mean that he's going to come in and be, a, you know, the Cy Young caliber Johnny Cueto of old. And uh, he might just be nothing more than depth right now. So just keep that in mind. And speaking of Charlotte, uh, do you have any updates on the days of Yohan Mankata and Joe Kelly? And then moving forward, what's the plan for those two? I didn't see what Joe did today. Johan hit a home run. I know that and put on a very wacky looking Knights helmet uh, that he was <laughs> photographed wearing in the dugout. That must be their thing down there at Charlotte this year. But uh, I think Joe Kelly uh, is going for no fewer than three appearances down there, according to Tony La Russa. We heard yesterday from Wes Helms, I believe I saw on Twitter, that Johan's going to be on the, the upcoming trip that Charlotte's taking. So he's going to be down there uh, for at least a few more days. Um, but he's getting some hits down there, and I guess that's what you want to see from him. Uh, Tony said that he reported no discomfort uh, from his first game yesterday. So uh, that's the thing that's making the White Sox the happiest right now. He tried to steal a base in yesterday's game, and Tony brought that up and said, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah. <laughs> come on. This is not the place to be doing that. Just just, just get your swings in. But, uh, right. yeah, it sounds like all, all is well on the uh, Yohan Moncada front right now. So that would obviously be a big boon to this offense when he's able to come back. Good to hear. Final two things from me. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, what's his status? Could we see him possibly tomorrow in the lineup versus the Angels? And then finally, uh, Tony LaRusso did mention that we're going to see the uh, the roster shrink down tomorrow. So do we have any hints on who might be sent down? On the latter, the only hints is it's one pitcher and one position player. So, I mean, you could guess from there, I suppose, but uh, certainly, um, you know, there are a few guys here who are filling in for injuries right now, and, and as guys get healthier, maybe they won't uh, be quite as needed as they are at the moment, but certainly Tony lamenting the fact that the roster is going to shrink. They're going to lose two guys who they've been using uh, just because, you know, and, and he said, too, they're not really out of the woods yet in terms of this being an early, the early part of the season coming off of the shortened spring training. So I think he said something along like the lines of, you know, we'll play by the rules, but, you know, would have been nice to keep those two around just to, uh, uh, to, to make up. Uh, and then on the first thing you said, Andrew Vaughn, uh, he was uh, a possible possibly available to pinch hit today sounds like he's feeling a lot better obviously they didn't use him in that capacity or any capacity today uh and they said uh, tony said that the chances are uh, looking good that he could play tomorrow great stuff as always that's Vinny duber you can follow him on twitter at Vinny duber he is the chgo white Sox beat writer and he will have a game recap for all of our members at allchgo.com we will talk to you tomorrow vin adios adios muchacho see you later um 
CHGO. All CHGO.com is probably where we should tell people to uh, go because you can go check out Vinny's great writing at allCHGO.com. Yeah. If you are a member, if you're not a member, go to allCHGO.com and sign up. You'll get access to all of our premium written content by Vinny Duber, Ryan Herrera, Jared Willis. That's just the baseball content there. If you're looking for some Chicago Bears draft content, it's all up at allCHGO.com. When you become a member, you get a free shirt of your choice. You get our awesome White Sox logo that you see down there. We got a couple CHGO shirts. We got Bulls shirt. We got a Blackhawk shirt. We got a Cub shirt. We got a shirt for every single team. Fire and Red Star shirts are exactly that. Fire. Fire and Red Star shirts. Check it out. Just add it because we just added it. We're going to have shows for each team every single day. You'll get the free live shows, the free pregames, the free postgames. All of that's free. But when you become a member, you get access to that premium written content. You get a free shirt and you get access into the CHG Lounge. That is our members only Discord. So if you want to go support Vinny and read all of his great work, go to allchgo.com and make sure you become a member. And also, if you want to support CHGO, use code CHGO when you sign up with PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we can help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Final roundup here, Herb. Uh, Yon Mankata did hit a home run uh, in his uh, rehab start today, and then Joe Kelly had an inning of scoreless work. 1K, 17 pitches, 10 strikes for Joe Kelly. That's heartening. That's good. We're, we're back because I saw a highlight of Yoan whiffing at a ball and I don't know if it was grimacing, but going on the other side of the plate, collecting himself. And then after that, the bat after that, he hit a single. So it was good that he stayed in the game. No more setbacks. Not, hey, Yoan till June. Seems like we're all on track. He's going on the road trip. I think they're going to Atlanta and playing five games versus a team there. And then maybe available this weekend Versus the Carmines. And we got uh, Mancata, two hits, one walk, so on base three times today. Uh, run when he hit the home run and RBI from the home run as well. And Leonard's asking you what your hat's at, hat is. This is for the Kane County Cougars. I wore it because of my man Joe Brand doing the first play-by-play game for Major League Baseball in his career. and won't be the last. So Joe Brand and the Kane County Cougars. If you haven't been out to Geneva, beautiful Geneva, the Tri-Cities as I call it, no one else. Vinny, also from the Tri-Cities, from Geneva, my fiancé from the Tri-Cities, St. Charles. Go out there and check out a game yes. at Kane County. Support your local teams. I, I went when it was like the, the green green, you know, yeah. the real Kane County Cougars. Not this blue redesign that they that they went to. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the redesign. but uh, They wore this electric green shirt sometimes ooh. last year. Mm-mm. You would probably like that. It's like almost like that T in T.O. No. Luis's name. No, you don't love the that. fire, but it's a little bit more neon. Okay, maybe. Turns it up a little bit more. All right, Herb. Uh, let's go into some more White Sox talk here. Uh, let's do it. We will have you on Mankata and Joe Kelly coming back soon. The White Sox have one more game against the Angels, and then they start a two-game series against the Chicago Cubs. We will see the roster shrink from 28 men to 26 men tomorrow, and Michael Kopech went to a game last year. At we, were at that, we weren't at oh. that game. We were at a different game, I think. Uh, we saw it. He was on TV there. 
we were at a game where no one was there except for me and Joe Brand and Courtney. Yeah, why was he watching that game? I think he a teammate, a teammate from high school was uh, pitching or playing for the Kane County Cougars or, the, or their opponent. Michael Kopech on an off day, I think it was a Friday night, decided to drive out to Geneva. Not yeah. that bad of a drive. Straight down 88, get off. Go over there to Kane County, check out a game. Well, he made it, made it back. That's all we know. Um, all right, let's talk about the shrink from 28-man roster to the 26-man roster. As Vinny said, we got two hints from Tony LaRussa. It will be one hitter and one pitcher that will go down. And if we look at the roster, Herb, who are these two players that you think will be sent down tomorrow? Your man, Sean Anderson Severino, yep. will 100% RIP. be sent down. He just can't find it yet. Doesn't have control or command of his pitches. And nope. they don't need That's him. good stuff. Well, and Tanner Banks has been so good. Bummer's been not great, but... Bennett Sousa's another lefty there. Right. So, I mean, they have enough lefties to get over not having Severino on the roster. And after I thought about it, and you, with some convincing, I initially said Jake Berger because I want him to play every day. Right. But they think like you, and I've turned around, Jake Berger's way too valuable to send down to AAA with this White Sox team in the way that Tony LaRusso plays it. So they'll be sending a guy like Danny Mendick down to well, AAA. That's my guess. My thing, too, is if Berger goes down right now, you have a rehabbing Moncada. So I don't know if Moncada's playing third base right now. He was but, playing DH today. Okay, but, I mean, if you're trying to get Moncada any reps at, at third base, Jake Berger might not be starting every single game. So I think it just makes more sense to when – Berger ends up going down. We'll replace him with the guy who's going to replace him. And then, you know, you get you get two replacements on both sides. You get Mankata coming up to start at third base for the Sox, and then Berger can go down and start at third base uh, for the Knights. But I do think that Mendick needs to get off the team just, uh, you know, when this shrink happens because Berger can man third base. We saw Josh Harrison man third base today, and it's clear that Harrison and Garcia can cover second base fairly fine and I do think that Jake Berger is a better third baseman than Danny Mendick they're both right-handed bats and right now he is hitting and Danny Mendick you know I mean he's not getting that many options he is I would say the the lowest hitter uh, on this team right now I would see no reason to 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 keep him over Berger I mean I think there is something with minor league options I think if you send down Berger now uh, it wouldn't use any of his minor league options so maybe that that's something that's going to play into a factor here but I would be pretty shocked if it's not Danny Mendick going down and if it's not Anderson Severino going down tomorrow if it is Severino and Mendick I probably won't even you know bat an eye but if it's Berger going down I I would feel pretty pretty iffy about it yeah it should be those two um, Severino and Mendick, and the team will be uh, almost whole by the end of May. We'll have a complete team. Sans Aloy Jimenez. I'm just so excited about that. We're in the month of May. We've played poorly through the month of April and the first, well, most of the eight endings of this May 1st game, but I feel good. We're getting some reinforcements back. Eventually, we'll have good at bats from Yohan Mankana, and I hope that, you know, filters throughout the team. Just having more guys who get on base and then having our one of our aces back on the bump at the end of May in Lance Lynn. So while we're losing and we're 8-13 and 13 right now, doesn't look good. I feel like this team is progressing. They're, coming, they're going into the right direction now. And by the end of May, I think the team will be back where they belong in first place. One would hope, friends. Uh, let's talk about Luis Robert. Vinny mm-hmm. mentioned... Chatting with Luis Robert and having his question about plate approach uh, be lost in translation there and that Luis gave an answer about the team. Well, let's talk about Luis as a person. Luis Robert has swung at the first pitch 
now, not 34 out of the first 54, not 35 out of the first 55, not 36 out of the first 57, but 37 out of the first 58 plate appearances he, he has. That is 63.7% of the time he is swinging at the first pitch that is leading the major leagues. He's first at 63.7. Second is Corey Seager at 62.5. And third is Avi Garcia at 57.1. He is swinging out of his shoes. Herb, I don't love the plate approach, and we see it. 10 out of the 11 hitters in the ninth inning where they score five runs. The only player to swing at the first pitch, Luis Robert, and he almost ended the damn streak, and he almost ended the damn run there. And I, I just I didn't love the plate appearance in the ninth inning, and I didn't love a lot of his plate appearances today. I can see somebody saying, okay, that's Luis's game. And if the results were good, even though I'm processing results, I can go with you. I could say, hey, man, cool. That's what Luis does. That's kind of what I do with Tim Anderson. I don't like him being the leadoff hitter. He likes being the leadoff hitter. And so his swinging at the first pitch, which he did at the beginning of the game, Michael Lorenzen knows that, threw him a sinker out of the plate. If the numbers were good for Luis, I would say, cool, have it. Do your thing. Numbers ain't good yet. 211, he's hitting. He's on base, I doesn't say, but his OPS is 628. That's not Luis Robert. You see through the game right there that we had. What's that? I can't even see it. Do you highlight it? 224 224 on base. You can't have that. As the second hitter, no, you can't have that at all. And so when Andrew Vaughn comes back, I would want him in that two-hole, even though I want more at-bats from Luis because I think ultimately Luis is the better player overall, but I think Andrew Vaughn's the better hitter when he's up the, up the plate, so you need those grinding at-bats so the guys behind them understand what the pitchers are offering today. Luis is just first pitch four out of five times today, not giving himself a chance, not getting deep into counts, not getting to a hitter's count where that pitcher has to come to him. You have to put yourself in the best position to win, and he's not doing it. So I don't like his approach. I want somebody in the White Sox to talk to him about it. It's not changing his approach. It's not changing who he is. It's just letting him understand that you're in a better situation if you take that first pitch. And being down 0-1 is not a big deal. Even being down 0-2 is not a big deal. You can hit on two strikes. They still got to come to you. You're still Luis Robert. So – have a plan, and the plan better be, let me see where this pitch is. If it's middle-middle, cool. Make a, pit, make a swing at it and do your thing. But the pitchers know that you're going to swing at the first pitch. What they're going to do is get you out in front. They're going to make you hit a pitch that is theirs, and you're going to ground the ball out to third in the ninth inning. You have speed to beat it out, but some of those times you ain't. Mm-hmm. Some of those times a throw is going to be there, and you're going to be out. Or so, you'll hit it too damn hard at the guy. Exactly, and so I just want him to have a better approach at the plate. Swinging at the first pitch is not the move, and every single American League, National League team knows he does this, and that's what they're going to be doing. Like, Jared Lorenzen didn't get his pitch count up because Tim and Luis are out here just swinging at first pitches. Michael Michael Lorenzen. Oh, damn it, again! Do I owe money for this? No, it's the Jarrett fine. Lorenzen? It's fine. You this know. is the most Jarrett Lorenzen's ever been mentioned just, since he was at Kentucky. Just keep keep sky pointing. Um, yeah, I don't. He won't come back. Disagree with your idea that Luis needs to have a better approach. The issue too is the scouting. 
teams know that he's going to do this. If I can do this basic research on baseball reference, you know who else can? The fucking Angels. So, like, they have yeah. somebody specific for that. Right. Too. They understand what you're looking for, and they are going to be putting balls away from the middle of the zone. They might even pitch it outside of the zone. And a lot of this is just Luis take a couple pitches, just take it. Like I, what I do in MLB, the show, when I'm getting too aggressive, I'm swinging at the first pitch. I just put the controller down. You get two strikes. They're free. You don't have to pay for those. You only pay when you swing and miss at the third one. Um, that's when you really start getting into danger. I just think it is important because you are trying to think about this in a strategic way, right? What is this guy trying to do to me? And when you look at the first pitch, you don't truly get an idea. That pitcher can throw whatever he want on that first pitch. And I just think that Luis Robert might see start seeing more breaking balls on the first pitch. He might start seeing more uh, balls in on his hands, away from him. I mean, he's just going to get pitches that are going to be consistently designed to pitch away from his power. And, you know, if the White Sox want him to hit 40 home runs and steal 40 bags or whatever, it's not going to go with this approach. It's not going to work this way. He is ultra aggressive. And when he came back last year, swinging 62% of the time and, you know, going on the run that he did in August to the end of the season, a lot of that was because the scouting wasn't there. They knew what this, this was his approach going into the season and they've been planning for him. So, so far, so good. Uh, Teams have been able to pitch away from Luis Robert and, you know, the results are showing. And he'll run into a couple You'll see home runs from Luis or triples or doubles from this approach. But he needs to look no further than the guy who's in center field for the Angels. That's a deadly at bat every time he's up Mm -hmm. when Mike Trout is up there. You don't know what he's going to do. And you know what Mike Trout waits for? His pitch. Dallas Keuchel was struggling. I don't know what to do. I'm going to throw a changeup middle of the plate. Crushed. That's what you get when you work a count. Oh, man, Luis just spit on my slider going outside. Last year, Luis was flailing for that. Man, I threw an inside sinker to Luis. He just took that like a G. I don't know how to get this guy out. Got to pitch a middle-middle. That's when you crush it. That's got to be the approach Luis Roberts got to think about, along with learning English, which if you want to, that's all you. But, Luis, if you want to speak Spanish, I don't care. The message gets through. You don't have to learn English for these other people. If you want to do it for a convenience of yourself or your own life, do it Do it for yourself, though. I just That was my only point when I was talking to Vinny. Yeah. But the other lesson is take a couple pitches, brother. Work the count. Make sure that you have – make them feel like it's a tough at bat. Because right now I'm sure pitchers are like, man, I get to relax. The one pitch, one out, right. awesome. Or one pitch and a single, great. I don't get to sweat out a four-pitch at bat or seven-pitch at bat versus Luis and Robert. You saw Jose Abreu today, great at bats, seeing pitches, understand what pitchers are trying to do with them, work an account. And then, like, it's not – you. sometimes you see a, a, a Grandal just take a strike right down the middle, and then pitchers think, okay, he's just going to take this one, and he ambushes them and hits a home run. That will be set up for Luis eventually. Like, maybe put the bat on your shoulder, but act like you're about to hit it and know you're, you're not going to be swinging at that ball. So, I want somebody, Frank Minichino, he can do his job, say, I'm ordering you to take the first pitches. Or, same <laughs> thing with Tony La Russa, take the first right. pitches, ordering you to take the first pitches. 
You cannot swing at this one. And just take the take the first pitch of the game. Just give them a different look immediately when you go up. You can swing it the next five. I don't care. But when you do a strategy like this, I mean, look at the way Michael Lorenzen pitched you. The first at bat, you go up swinging at a, a first pitch sinker, and then the next pitch. Uh, or next at bat, you go up swinging against uh, a first pitch sinker, and then he just gar- starts going down and low and away, or, or, or in, inside and low, and he throws three straight sinkers in the same spot. Swing, swing, swing. K. I mean, like it, it's just it's not a competitive at bat. And even though you put the ball in play at 110 miles per hour, like he did uh, on Friday, you know he, he lines it right at the uh, right at Mike Trout. Like that's bad luck right there. But it's also a bad approach. It's bad luck combined with bad approach. Maybe the good luck will turn around. But even if he's not turning around, that uh, you know if if he turns that approach around, maybe the good luck will change. But um, right now it's just bad, bad everywhere. Let's talk a little bit too about the White Sox swinging at the first pitch. Right now they I think they're 22nd in the league uh, when. It comes to OPS plus on the first pitch. They have an OPS plus of 79, a slash line of 281, 286, uh, and then a slugging of 500. Uh, they are 22nd out of 30. They've been struggling uh, there with, uh, you know, att- being aggressive, swinging at the first pitch. And, and we talked about it earlier too, 13 of the first 30, uh, they end up, uh, you know, just just grounding out and, and, and having horrible, horrible plate appearances. Uh, let's Try to talk about Dallas Keuchel here. We saved the best for last, <laughs> I guess. Um, let's go to the DFA Dallas Keuchel discussion. Let's go to Jordan Lozowski, who tweeted this out. Through four starts, 2016 John Dinks, 22 and a third innings pitched, a ERA of 7.25, a FIP of 6.10, 16 strikeouts and 11 walks. 2022 Dallas Keuchel, 15 innings pitched, 8.4 ERA, mm. 6.78 FIP, Eight strikeouts, 11 walks. You can follow Jordan at jlazowski 14 on Twitter. He said, Danks, you'll remember, was DFA despite being owed $14.25 million. Keuchel is owed $18 million this year. They DFA'd Keuchel on, or uh, they DFA'd Danks on May 3rd, 2016. So it's just around that time. Herb, do you think Dallas Keuchel gets DFA'd this year by the Sox? I do not. I think that... Rick has already wasted his uh, amnesty player, as it were, in the NBA with John Danks there, signing him to that long-term deal. But unlike Dallas Keuchel, John Danks had a shoulder problem that hampered his pitching. So they kind of were like, Ugh, he's never going to get back to the level he was right. when we gave him this big-time contract. And what exasperated it more is that it was kind of understood that they gave Danks the money instead of giving the money to Mark Burley. So Danks was unfairly uh, maligned for taking a good-ass contract for himself, even though the White Sox could have paid both of those guys. I don't think Jerry Reinsler's going to allow that again. They've done it already with Jeff Kepinger. They've done it already, even though the money wasn't the same, with Adam Eaton. This is a big pill to swallow. A lot of money. He's giving them money in the offseason. They're up in payroll going to be really tough to not pay this dude or not have this dude on your team and then pay him off. So I think Jerry will not allow Rick to DFA him. He has earned a de- designated for assignment, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yourself? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen either. You mentioned that he already got one, quote-unquote. I think that that is the truth. I think that, you know, 
they made a huge mistake letting Dallas Keuchel come onto this roster at the start of the year. Um, I tried to talk myself out of it a couple times. I did think that he would have been the most important pitcher to the Sox coming into the season because if he did have a great year, then the Sox worries get a lot and lot less. They, they get a lot, lot smaller. But now you have a team that's not really hitting. You have a fifth starter that is struggling, and I don't really see it turning around. Can we go to the uh, pitch chart and just the pitch map for Keuchel today um, because, you know, the stuff was fine. The changeup was all right. The sinker was all right. I mean, like, these numbers are, are really whatever. Um, he needs more called strikes. He's not really having the command to get that. Only 10 called strikes today. A called strike whiff percentage of 20%. League average is 27%. So that is bad. That's hashtag ungood right there. And then let's look at where these locations were because that's the big issue. You see all those oranges right there, those sinkers in the middle of the plate. A lot of stuff low and down. Some of them low Low and outside uh, to Mike Trout that could taken over the wall. but Is that that big red dot in the middle of the no, plate? No, it would be a green one because he let up a changeup, but it's one of the ones on the, on the right side there. But as you can see, he's living a lot in the middle of the plate. So even if... Uh, you know, it's it, it is you know placed well or it's placed low. It is still middle, and, and and guys like it when it's in the middle of the plate. So I mean, that's the issue with Dallas Keuchel is he's not commanding it. You see that in the four walks today, the one that was intentional to Trout. Uh, we won't count, but still, I think that's nine walks in the past two games. And then let's just look at Michael Rowenzen's, uh pitch map too, because this is a guy that didn't have really great stuff. He has a below average fastball. Uh, he doesn't really have that great of a changeup. He has you know three fastballs that he throws, but Going up that zone. None of them are really you know. Yeah, none of them are really uh, wowing, but as you can see, he's filling up that zone, and he he you know you kind of see a lot of clusters there in the middle. But let's go to his first pitch pitch map here, and you can see none in the middle. Like you could see a little bit there, and one of those was Talia Garcia that got smoked for a double. But Lorenzen lived on the outside of the plate. He lived uh, you know uh, on, on the corners and. Uh, that's where he had his, his success today. He kept it away from the top of the zone. He kept it away from the bottom of the zone. And he kept it on the outside, and that's why the Sox aggressiveness played against them. They swung 13 times uh, on the first pitch, and the reason why they didn't have great results is because of the location for Lorenzen. Looking at this pregame, I didn't really think that he would have this performance in him. Uh, he still allowed nine hits, but uh, still, Lorenzen was good enough uh, to keep the Sox at bay for eight innings. Yeah, and, and Keiko can't do that. Keiko cannot do that at all. I mean, Lorenzen doesn't have great stuff. It's it's a little bit faster than Keiko, but he doesn't have better stuff than, than Keiko. No, not at all. I mean, he has a little bit uh, better fastball. He's like mid-90s fastball. Keiko's, I think, most of his problem, too, is that his his variance on his pitches are too close. Like, his fastball's not fast enough to lay yeah. off of your changeup or your cutter or any of that stuff. And if it's middle-middle... I'll be off a little bit. I'll sit, I'll let it get deeper, and I'll hit it to the section 102 like Mike Trout did today. You know, it, Mike Trout, that's why he has almost 1,000 OPS for him because he knows that Dallas Keuchel can't blow him away, and I'll be late on a fastball. I'll be a little bit late, and I can still crush him. So, yeah, Dallas needs to work on his command and his control and get a little bit more pinpoint like he was in 2020, or else this re these results will be continuing now. It's not ideal results, four runs and five walks is not what you want. If he just gave up the four runs and, you know, said limited to one walk, I would say it's not great, but you're a fifth starter. I know expect a lot out of you. We can still win because we have a good offense. So I don't know if they're going to 
you know, they take won't. him out of the rotation. I don't know if they're going to DFA him, but maybe they can take him out of the rotation. Quavo's coming. Well, so and Lance Lynn is coming. Somebody has to leave. If Velasquez is good and Cueto is good, then maybe we can see him taken out of the rotation. But I don't see the point of even keeping him around in the bullpen at that point. I just think that they'll be too cheap to actually DFA him. I don't think that he'll accept an option to AAA. I don't know what the plan will be with Keiko, but I do think that he is cooked. Um, I do think that they probably should DFA Dallas Keiko. I don't think that he should have been on the roster this year. And it, I mean, the biggest thing is eight for 24. That's how many first pitch strikes he had. He threw eight, eight out of 24 pitches. You know who first pitch strikes, you know, who Dallas Keiko would be good against the White Sox. He'd be great against the White Sox. <laughs> First pitch, swinging, ground ball, no problem. Uh, yeah, and they're, yeah. Not, and they're not going to take a walk. I mean, you don't know, you don't have to worry about them being patient because they're definitely not going to And maybe walk. that's the reason why they don't want DFA him. They don't want him to be pitching for some other team, especially a contender, just soft-tossing the White Sox into a bunch of ground balls. Um, and then uh, Ross says, I hate to keep bitching about Keiko, but what about using him to eat innings if we were winning or losing by a lot so his option doesn't vest? I mean, the thing is, is you don't want him pitching innings. Um, so you Ooh. need you need Dallas Keiko to turn into like a one out, you know, fireman or, uh, you know, a one inning fireman for the Sox. And I just it's not going to happen. I, you, they're just they're they're stuck with an absolute albatross. And, you know, you look over to San Francisco and you see the way that Carlos Rodon's performing and that 18 million dollars that's going to Keiko, uh, you know. Some of it could have been going to Carlos Rodon, and that's that's all I have to say. I mean, that's just it's extremely frustrating to see this team not hit and then also have to deal with Dallas Keuchel. I mean, it's just you know four runs over five innings. It's fine enough for a team that should be scoring five runs a game, but when they're not and when you need a great pitching performance, this Dallas Keuchel stuff is not going to get it done, folks. And, you know, what? he's not going to be on the playoff roster again. And then, what, you're going to just try to avoid him hitting 160 innings and trying to avoid 320 innings over the next two years just so he doesn't vest a $20 million option? I mean, like, what, what are we doing here? We're trying to win a championship, and this is what our goals are? Our goals are not to worry about $20 million next year? I mean, come on. Like, I, this is that's the most frustrating part, is that Carlos Rodon could have helped this team win a World Series, and maybe this game is 5 nothing because Carlos Rodon blanks the Angels. But... I know hey, he's going to give know? you a good pitching performance. Mm-hmm. Dylan, 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 Dylan. Oh, I was going to go on Carlos Rodon. He makes more sense, too, for the team because he strikes out guys and he's not putting balls in play uh, with this horrible defense. But Dylan, 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 Dylan uh, will be starting tomorrow against the Los Angeles Angels. We'll have Patrick Sandoval, not Pablo Sandoval, uh, versus Dylan Cease tomorrow, 12.30 pregame. We will have 110 first pitch. And then for the postgame, after the final out, Herb and I will join you along with Vinny Duber from Guaranteed Rate Field. Herb, any final thoughts here? Uh, I spoke about it earlier. Like, we felt great after that victory versus the Kansas City Royals, which broke the eight-game losing streak. Then... I was saying, hey, yes, yesterday felt great. It felt like a complete game, 4 nothing over the Angels. Let's do it again. And they didn't. It's very disappointing that we're right back into the spot. We haven't lost eight in a row, but I feel like we're still in that slump. We're still in the doldrums. The ninth inning is good to see. Some people say you get momentum for from an inning like that. I think it's the next pitcher uh, on the starting rotation. Can they have a good approach? Versus the left-hander, which is good, versus the White Sox. Got a good changeup. Patrick Sandoval. But the last lefty that went against the White Sox, I thought they were doing well versus two. And Daniel Lynch and KPW 
predicted that he was going to throw six shutout innings, and he did that shit perfectly. Herb is spitting hot fire. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. Too close, man. You're too close. <laughs> we'll talk about Dylan, 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 and Patrick Sandoval tomorrow on the CHGO White Sox pregame show. Thank you very much for watching us live on YouTube. Thank you very much for downloading us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you do have the time, please review and rate us. It would mean the world. We are just a baby. And hit in the, the like too world. while you're here. You're all here yeah. listening, watching. Subscribe. Hit that like button. Subscribe. Ross. Spags, the right side of wrong, whatever that means. David Snyder, make sure you're subscribed. T.O., T.O., we see you. Make sure you're subscribed. That, means, that will do it. That means Uncle Louis. It does. It yeah. does. Shout out, to, shout out to our uncle, and shout out to you, Uncle Herb. Yes. Um, so you walked into that one. Uh, for Herb Lawrence, uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. For Vinny Duber, you can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We were produced today by Stephen Nicholas, and we want to thank all the members of Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. We will talk to you tomorrow. Not Stevie and Nicks. Go Sox. Not Stevie Nicks? No. Oh.